Eric. Thanks for joining us, my man. Hey, I was waiting for this. I wondered what took so long. <laughs> yeah, we were trying to make sure that uh, we're ready to have you on. Unfortunately, this is uh, still COVID season, so we're doing this uh, remotely. Otherwise, we'd want to roll out the red carpet <laughs> and have a welcoming party. But uh, we'll do that on the next one, hopefully. Um, just as a quick way of introduction, Fred and uh, Mike is a good friend of mine. We go back a ways. We actually went to high school together, but we also mm -hmm. work together. And we've been working together for a long time. And sort of the story is um, we were looking for someone to lead our business development. And I was sitting with my best friend. We're having dinner. And I was telling him, I got to bring someone in to do our business development. He goes, what about Mike? I thought, yeah, I mean, he's perfect. And so I reached out and uh, we got together. We had lunch and uh, the rest, as they say, it's history. So Mike joined us and uh, he's been working with us for a long time. And it's been awesome because uh, not only have I known him for a long time and I trust him, but also he's just uh, an all-around good guy, easy to work with, and uh, we always have a good time. Uh, so Mike, I'm going to turn it to you. Tell us a little about your background and uh, we always have good conversations, man. I'm pretty sure we're not going to have a hard time carrying this conversation. Yeah, I mean... When I saw Life's Golden Nuggets, I didn't. I, I, I guess I can't say I didn't know what to expect because I've seen a few of these episodes before. But, I mean, half expecting you, I wanted to walk into the old Merv Griffin set and be confronted <laughs> with scandals and animals, uh, just, like, uh, just like Kramer got Jerry in there. But that, that's not happening today, I guess, on Zoom. So my first surprise is out of the way. Yeah, that, but that it has been now. Uh, it's been... That would be the goal for us. One day when we can set up the Merv Griffin show set, that's the end all be all of our success. I, you know, I think, if, I think if you did that, I think that's one of the ones where you just walk away from. Like, that's probably the last podcast. You hang it up on that one, too. Leave all your on top. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been a long time. I mean, we met, uh, I don't know. I think we met when I was in grade nine already, right? Uh, your, your friend was, was close friends uh, of mine as well. And I think uh, we, we made our introductions back when uh, I had a little bit more hair on the top of my head and a little less on my face. So it's, uh, it's definitely been uh, a couple of decades now. And uh, no, we weren't, we weren't that close, but I think we kept tabs on what each other was doing. And uh, yeah, fortunately, kind of paths crossed again I, almost 10 years ago now. And uh, when I joined Infinite, so that's been uh, that's been a fun part of my journey, for sure. Now, what's uh, what's interesting, Faridun, is that obviously we're in a pretty serious industry, um, and what we do is serious, and we take it very serious. But Mike and I have always tried to make things fun. So, like his reference to Seinfeld, that we're both Seinfeld fans, and I can't tell you the number of times we've gone into meetings and we'll throw out Seinfeld references. And the whole time we're trying to get the other guy to crack because we're both, you know, they're, they're all really serious meetings. Yeah. But we've had some pretty good moments where we've literally just got, I mean, <laughs> the first time we were just talking about this stupid Seinfeld scene and we're like, how oh, it doesn't make sense. And we go into a meeting right after and I throw the line out. And Mike literally looked at me and he's like, son of a bitch did it. He threw out like... <laughs> And so we go through the whole meeting and literally like at the end of the meeting, there's absolutely no place for it. And Mike just says the line. What was the line? Just, uh, you, 
very knowledgeable. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's like a stupid, like one of the side cases. And I just started laughing. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck was that? Like, there was no need for you to say. And he started covering for my laughter. And we ended up getting the client. Awesome people. <laughs> and we go to the next meeting. We throw another reference. And we start laughing. The whole team that was meeting with us, they started laughing. Yeah. The whole, like, everybody, like, it was just really cool. We ended up getting those guys as a client, too. It's just been amazing. So we've had some pretty good times, even though, in the, you know, we're in a pretty serious industry. But uh, That's awesome. I'm going to let Mike tell the story. One time I got him really, really good. That always stands out as one of my favorite, favorite moments because he had to literally turn around, face the window so he <laughs> couldn't face the seat anymore and laugh. I mean, yeah, th this is professionalism at its best right now. <laughs> I mean, I don't know whether this gets cut, whether this gets put in, but uh, it's, uh, listen, when you do several meetings back to back and especially when you're on the road together and you, yeah. uh, you've been doing them, you, you have to come up with your ways to have a bit of fun and you, you yeah. have to... Uh, you have to enjoy it. So yeah, there was one particular time where, and, and I mean, full disclosure, these comments do have maybe apart from my first use of, of the one, but they, they do have a place in what mm -hmm. we're saying. They do. And, 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 and it makes sense given the context of the conversation, but, uh, but because we know what the other guy is trying to say or trying to do, it adds just that little element of fun in the conversation. Make sure that we're both on our toes as well. And I think, I, I think you know what, if I can take anything and, and kind of turn this into a, uh, a good thing as far as career goes or as far as professionalism is concerned, um, we're sharp because of it, right? And that's part of the energy we feed off of each other. Like we're having, we're having fun with it and we're, we're making sure these interactions are fun with our clients, with our prospects. But at the end of the day, if there's this, uh, if there's this back and forth that's going on between us, it adds another element to it. And I think, I think clients pick up on that. Maybe they don't pick up on the Seinfeld reference, but they definitely know then that, Hey, we're a team that has some chemistry. You can yeah. see that right from this interaction. So what's it going to be like to work with this team in a broader sense? And that's, and that's, that's part important. of the fun. With it. Like one of the big lessons that we've learned is that ultimately people do business with you because they feel comfortable with you and they trust you. And that's important. I mean, look, we have a great product. We really do. We stand by the support it. But the reality is we try and make sure that people see that, hey, we're real people committed to this and we are a real team and we work well together. So I do think it helps that we have a good dynamic and we work together well and if we, we have fun with each other because it's like the work that we do is serious enough. So why not try and enjoy it? And, you know, in, in Mike's role and, and quite a bit of my role, when you're doing business development and you're meeting with people, it's important to be able to connect with them and see, you know, what their needs are and make sure that they feel comfortable that if they work with you. So that's something that like when we meet with students, it's one of the things that I stress all the time in that, like, yeah, your grades have to be good. Sure, you need to get a good degree to school, all these things. That's awesome. That, no, I'm not saying no. But the idea of you uh, being socially intelligent and being able to connect with people is also super important. And I would say no less important than the rest of what you bring to the table. And that's something that I found Mike to be particularly good at. And that's why there's never a dull moment. We've had so many, you know, business trips together where we travel and it's just like the whole time where we're trying to enjoy ourselves and we're, we're cracking each other up and, and it, it helps a lot. Otherwise, what's the alternative? You're just miserable the whole time.
fun. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's, that's the dynamic I think you, you want to have with your team. You want to have with the people that you're working with, but in the business that we have in the business that we're running right now, our clients become natural extensions of our team. And, and, and that's tough. You know, when the sales guy says that, that's got an air of BS about it. And, and even if I were, were to say that in a conversation with a prospect, I would call myself out like, hey, you don't actually know who I am yet at this point. So this sounds like a salesy thing to say. But if you do have that same dynamic with your clients, okay, and there's an asterisk there. They're not your team members. There is a deference of respect. Someone is paying the bill for the service that you're providing. But at the end of the day, why wouldn't you want the relationships with your clients to be as personal, as jovial, as convivial as you would have with your own teammates? Uh, like who loses there? To me, the client doesn't lose. Your, your, team doesn't, your team doesn't lose on that when, when your clients are treating them that way. And you certainly don't lose. It's, uh, it's, it's a great reason to get up and go to work in the morning. So for me, I mean, yeah, that, that's something that I think across several of the roles that I've had and probably when I first started out even just a retail part-time job which I kind of picked up on right away in that if your client can be a part of the interaction, you're not talking one way here. Like I'm looking at a camera, I'm seeing my own face. I, I see yours pop up from time to time now too here. But at the end of the day, this conversation is two way. The relationship with your client is the same. If you're not going to acknowledge that you're going to have a terrible relationship. And so if that becomes more of a partnership, um, it's just a win-win for both sides. And it, it's a shame that that's become kind of a cliche thing to say, but I think there are certain businesses that get that right. And there are other businesses that say they do it, but uh, they're not even in the ballpark. So could you tell us a little bit about what you do at Infinite? Yeah, so at Infinite, uh, I, I lead most of the business development efforts. Um, I, I think at Infinite, we all wear many hats. But uh, if I focus on, uh, if I focus kind of on the main thing that that I'm after in my day to day, it's 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 meeting with new prospects. It's uh, it's establishing rapport with a fairly limited target market group. Uh, that's been one of the big changes. I mean, back in the day, if you look at some of the roles I've had historically, retail banking. Uh, people are looking at, uh, let's say, a mortgage. They want to redo their mortgage or they're buying a home. Okay, that, that's something you can talk to everyone about. That's a conversation you can have at dinner parties. That's uh, uh, at what rate are you getting? Where do you think things are going with the housing market? Everyone's involved in that to an extent. Well, now you take it into the portfolio management space, but then more specifically, the independent portfolio management space or wealth management industry. And then more specifically, the technology that supports that. And although that's growing, I mean, the joke of it is, is like, I, I couldn't even explain this to my, who's now my wife over the course of an hour uh, at our first date, what I did. Now I think I can trim it down and maybe it's about a half an hour, maybe 45 minutes. No, I'm kidding. It's a little shorter than that. People know a little bit more about what, what FinTech is, but um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's establishing that rapport with a very, very, very small target market. And uh, I think there, therein lies the challenge is that you do have to have that social rapport. You do have to have to have that personal rapport. No one is looking for just the technology anymore because the technology is stale once you basically uh, implement it. You've got to be looking for a partner that's going to grow that technology stack. You have to be looking for people that you can work with, that you can bring people in. And so to me, that has to start on interaction number one. And that's, that's, what, that's the approach I try to bring to some of these discussions we have with, with prospects. Product is important. 
particularly now in this COVID era, it's, it's, it's much more product centric because you can get heads on screens pretty easily. Now you can have conversations like this pretty easily. So it becomes just product, product, product. But I think what starts to, to come around is more of uh, more of that personal rapport. So in my day to day, it's, uh, it, it's routinely checking in with, with many people that know me now who, who, who I am just again, on account of doing this for about a decade and, and having made a lot of uh, those connections. But uh, yeah, it's finding new ones. It's finding new ones as well. It's getting to understand the industry, getting to understand where needs are trending. I mean, I think that's something Ali and I can probably talk to a lot. Uh, just the change in terms of what people have looked for over the years, the shiny new objects that come to the forefront versus the foundational uh, needs or requirements that these businesses have. But um, yeah, I mean, listen, you brought me on to talk, so I'm going to talk, I guess. Of course, I, yes. I think in one of the... Uh, it's funny because first you are here to talk. We want to hear you talk, but there's a little true story that he didn't go. He said, you know, he couldn't explain to his now wife in an hour what he does. This is in fact how he got his wife to be his wife because he was trying to explain what we do, but the story was so long he couldn't get through it. So she's like, all right, I'll marry you so you have a lifetime to explain it to me. But he doesn't say, he's not crediting us, this work with his amazing wife. So, I mean, I don't know where, where what to say to that, but come on, Mike, give credit where credit is due. If you want to take a bit of it, I mean, I don't know if I'll give it to you there, but I can say this. The only reason I went on my first date with my wife is we shortened a business trip by a day. So I made, I'm, I sped up the flight to get back in, in in the morning off of a West Coast trip just so I could go on uh, our first date. So that is definitely uh, a business connection that, that I'll, I'll take to that story. Um, so good. I'm glad it worked out. I think if, if, if I was looking at kind of any mantras, uh, I, mean, I don't like that word. If, if I was looking at a philosophy for how best to apply my understanding of a business development role or a relationship management role, in, in one job interview that I had uh, 15 years ago, something like that, uh, I, I can remember, remember clearly laying this out. To me, there's three kind of tenets to any sales interaction, any business development interaction. And, and, and they can kind of one of them comes straight out of industry lingo right now, but it's, it's know your client or know your customer. That's number one for me. Know your competition. Okay. And know your product. Those are the three things you have to know about that. That to me, if you, if you start to master those three kind of areas, I think you can start to expand uh, the effectiveness of your, your interactions with prospects and, and the sales process. And so if I back out of that, what I mean by is, so know your client, that, that's, that's, I mean, that's much broader than the simple phrase I think that you can throw out right there. I think know your client to me is understand what business they're in, understand what stage of the business that they're in, understand some of the experience that they may have had, understand what some of the pressing needs might be. Like all four of those things take a lot of time to get to know and to understand, right? And I can, I can, I can take it back into to where I came from before I was with Infinite and, and, and talk to uh, uh, kind of a fun transitionary yeah. state in my career, but where, where, where you become the master at understanding these things and then start applying it in a new field. But I think the experience in terms of getting to know clients and, and, and understanding them at this level is just something that comes over time. You can certainly pound the pavement. You can put the time in reading up on websites 
meeting with people, getting to know people, getting to understand partners, uh, mutual, uh, mutual acquaintances, that's all going to help you establish that client profile, that, 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 that picture of who that client is. And then you have to couple that with the knowledge of who else is now this person talking to. So what's the competition? Why are they talking to you? Why are they talking to you as opposed to someone else? What's bringing them to the table right now? What are you really good at? What are areas where they're going to be able to pick you apart on? Where can you go with your product? Where can you go with your team that you're starting to see other teams lead into? And so that whole know your competition, it's not, it's not a direct matrix of, hey, here's where Harmony is better than XYZ portfolio management system on the other side. It's more about what direction are you headed in versus where is the competition going? Where would, uh, where would a, a competitor take this client that you, you could or you couldn't, or where would you do better than a competitor in, in a certain realm? And so that's, that's kind of pillar number two. The last thing is, is know your product. Um, and I think, and Ali, I mean, we can talk to this, but know your product is, is something that you really just got to spend the time on. I think what's one of the worst experiences any prospect or any client can have is with anyone in sales or business development that doesn't have confidence in the product that they're selling and doesn't have an understanding of the product that they're selling. And so some of the best feedback that I've ever received in my career are from people who have said, Mike, you have been totally different than every other sales guy that we've brought in here right now. You were able to answer all of our questions. You took things away that you didn't know. You were able to present the system in a way that put yourself into our shoes. Uh, that's, that's what you got to be able to do. You're not just, just kind of spouting off a, a script of 10 things that people need to know about your product. They can read that. That, that, that goes on your webpage. That goes on a marketing brochure. You have to demonstrate the competence and the understanding in the product itself. And that comes through personality then as well. So know your client, know your competition and know the heck out of your product and understand it. I think if you put all three of those together, I think right away. So if I'm, if I'm Tony Robbins here right now, I think if you put all those three together and I'm not always great at doing it myself, but if that's what you're striving for, your interactions improve, improve exponentially. And I think one thing that uh, Mike touched on that uh, I think you can also embed within knowing your product is also knowing yourself because you're also selling yourself and your team. And that's another thing that Mike is good at and he touched on it indirectly because there are things that will, Mike is very knowledgeable. You, very knowledgeable. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, I, I, like when Mike, Mike joined us, before joining us, Mike was in a sales role with TD. And he was number one across the country in that role. So he's obviously quite good at what he did. When he joined us, I asked him, and I said, listen, man, this is a completely different industry. Sit on the system and educate yourself so you're very comfortable with what we do. And to his credit, he really took the time and he really dove into the system. He spent months just playing around with the system, doing demos for existing clients. And that's why when he started actually going out and meeting prospects, he, he was very knowledgeable and he did do a great job. And that competency has been constantly complimented. Like I've, I've heard it over and over again. People tell me, man, he, he really knows his stuff. But where there is going to be a point where something gets so technical or so specific, that as a business development person, you're not going to know the answer to that. And that's where knowing yourself is important. You don't try and bullshit your way through that. 
Mike is really good at bringing in the rest of us in when and where it's necessary so that we can complement him and and he'll use us as an appropriate resource so if he brings me in he doesn't bring me in to just talk about the same thing he's going to talk about he'll set the stage he'll get it to a point and then the conversation is going to merit a more technical uh i suppose like level and so then i'll come in or one of my colleagues our colleagues will come in and then they'll do that so he also like that knowing yourself is also critical and knowing how you come across to people and i think mike understands that well too so you have to be able to present yourself in such a way that people can relate and understand and that goes to him saying i put myself in the client's shoes and they see that sometimes so that all thing i think stems from knowing yourself your strengths and weaknesses which i think mike does quite effectively and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, but uh, you, you, you don't have a problem saying I don't know to things, which is also a big deal because a lot of times, in, you know, you're inclined to just pretend like you know everything and nobody knows everything. But to have that humility and honesty to say, you know what, this is a little bit outside of my realm and I'm going to bring in some of my colleagues, that A, allows you to study things, but it also helps the client trust you because they see that you do say no to the things you don't know. So the things that you're answering, they can believe. Exactly know, yeah. You. yeah. If you could make money off of saying, I don't know, I would have a good side gig going on right now. Because yeah, I mean, <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> one of, uh, that's one of the worst experience you could have too, right? It's someone that just, just talks your ears off. And you, you know they're just circling the wagons here on a topic that they don't fully understand themselves. And, and so I've been caught in those situations. I'd lie if I didn't tell you I, I wanted to come across as more competent than I was. But I don't think you need to. I, I think people appreciate and understand like, hang on a minute. Okay, now this, this does exceed kind of my understanding of the, this topic or the question that you're asking me to come back to that and bring expertise to that instead of just trying to fumble your way through. I mean, again, it's one of those things where I don't know a prospect that's going to fault you for that if they're seriously considering what you have to say. Right. And that, that's the, that's the big question. Are they considering or not? If you're really salesy and you're getting into doors just by knocking 15 times and someone doesn't really want to have the conversation with you, but they forced you in because you've harassed them to that point. Yeah. Okay. Maybe they're not really, maybe they're not really engaged anyway. And you can kind of do, have a little bit of that going on with the conversation. But at the end of the day, I mean, I was going to save this for the end. One of the, one of the golden nuggets that I think that, again, I try and put at the masthead of, of my approach is, is authenticity. That's one word that I try and, and bring into every relationship that I have. And again, I know, I know you're a fan of business is business and people are people and that they never intersect. Right. So I know, I know that's your philosophy. No, I'm kidding. I know that's philosophy <laughs> the same way. It's uh, uh, people are business. People are the hearts and souls of businesses. Uh, infinite's not the same without you, uh, 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 you and your personality, Ali. And uh, after 10 years, I mean, maybe the same thing could be said about me and, uh, and, and what I bring to my role uh, in the firm as well. But like for me, if I'm, if I'm ever pretending, whether it's pretending in front of my colleagues, whether it's pretending in front of my mother, whether it's pretending in front of my children, where do I win in the long term with that? How fast does that house of cards start to fall down? So if you contextualize that now into a, into a business development or a sales conversation, 
why are you going to build up that house of cards? I mean, it would be one thing, I guess, if you were selling a pair of shoes, you needed them to buy the shoes. They walked off with the shoes. You closed up the door. They never saw you again. That, that's one thing. But I don't think too many businesses run that way anymore. And uh, certainly not a business like, uh, like ours and in the technology space. These people are your partners. These people are going to consistently be coming to, to you. So if you've got away with building that foundation on a house of cards, uh, you, you can bet it's going to come down pretty quickly. One of the things that Mike and I uh, have always connected on is we were both highly family oriented. And I feel like that also just um, for us helps us live lives with certain values and certain priorities, even though most people will definitely call me an alcoholic, uh, sorry, a workaholic, workaholic. <laughs> I saw Mike taking a um, uh, workaholic, uh, um, uh, but uh I, I of course and, and I would never refute that. I, in some ways I am. Um but you know, we've always put a great deal of importance on family. I have and Mike is the same. And so when it comes to our work environment also, we try and make this as much of an inclusive, a positive environment as possible. And you know, with COVID and all the, all that it, it's a little bit more difficult because everyone's spread apart. But we do try and take that seriously. But to extend on that, that, that sense of uh, camaraderie that we create because of those values um, extend well beyond our team and goes back to what Mike was saying in that we try and have that same kind of uh, relationship with our clients so that it's, you know, it's an inclusive, open, positive relationship. And I think uh, we, we both take a great deal of comfort in creating this environment because it's what we're familiar with because of how family-oriented we both are. Mm -hmm. And now Mike has his own family on top of the one he grew up with, so I feel like that, that sense is even increased in me, Mike. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, life changes there pretty quickly, too. That, that, that's a whole other tangent we can get into now. But yeah, if I, come back to the, if I come back to that point I'm trying to make with authenticity, it's that authenticity only furthers relationships, right? So again, I, I took maybe the negative approach and I talked about building this house of cards. But let's look at it from a positive sense. And let's look at it even from your family and your friendships. If people can count on you being you, that authentic representation and Ali, what you said about kind of knowing yourself, but if work Mike doesn't collide with independent Mike and turn this into this whole explosion of the universe where these worlds are colliding, I, I, I just think you're going to get along much better in life. You're going to have better relationships. You're going to have better results with work when people know who Mike is and can count on Mike to be the same, regardless of if it's the, in the context of getting something done at the office, or if it's uh, something I have to get done in, in, a, in a personal sense, if it's something I've, I've committed to doing for my children, right? If, you, if you're a dependable person, you're dependable in both, both places in life. People pick up on that really, really, really quickly. The second you start living these duplicitous lives, and I'm not talking about um, any kind of shenanigans or anything like that, but if you're trying to be someone that you're not, Again, you're exposing yourself to the, just these vulnerabilities where you're, you're, you're asking for trouble in the relationships that you're trying to forge. And so, uh, I mean, over life, I've just, I've come to realize that really being true to yourself, as you put it before, Ali, I think that's, that's I, again, maybe one of these things that's sometimes a little settled in a little more of a cliche way. 
but just being, being true, being authentic, knowing when you don't know things like we talked about, knowing when you've made a mistake and owning that mistake and, and getting beyond it, uh, th- that only sets you up for, I-, I think, better years ahead and better times ahead when you're, when you're willing to look at yourself critically that way. Mike, uh, in, in uh, some of the comments, speaking of not being yourself, one of the conversations you and I have had is you've, uh, you and I have talked about some of the other interests you've had. So if you weren't doing this work, uh, what are some of the other works that, that, that you feel you would have been uh, good at? Golfer, soccer player. <laughs> Those are out of the question, though. No, I think um, – I think where you can learn a lot about this is actually the feedback you get from other people. And so my, my job in terms of business development and sales, I think comes from a certain passion that I have to make connections with people, to actually get to know people, to understand people. And so I think one of the things that people have identified about me in my personal life, I guess, and also in business is, uh, I have a real uh, kind of propensity to want to host things, to, to, to take people into experiences that I know they'll, they'll like, that they'll find enjoyable. So I think I, my wife said years ago, she said, you know what, if you didn't do what you were doing right now, I'd tell you to get into hospitality. I'd tell you to be a hotel manager or something because I really, what she sees about me is, is that I like to make these connections with others and have other people learn from it or have other people enjoy something because of the extra effort that you've taken. And I, and I do enjoy that. So whether you're just coming over and it's opening a great bottle of wine that I can tell you a thing or two about, or, or, or knowing what to serve you for dinner based on what you've, you've liked the last time you've been over. Um, it, it's stuff like that, that just, it, that, that's always an interest to me. So b- before I got into anything, I mean, I didn't know I'd fall my, fall my way or fumble my way into the financial services industry at all. Uh, I, I picked up a job at a bank when I was in university. My first week of my undergrad was uh, the first week I started at, at one of the big five banks here. And uh, I swore to myself I would never get into it. And uh, here, almost 20 years later, I'm still still involved in, in finance to some degree. What I really thought I was going to get into was teaching. I thought I would be a teacher. And I've married a teacher instead, so I've got halfway there at least. But uh, to me, it was always about like, Teaching was, how do I say it? How do I phrase it? I I still think what I do is teaching. And I mean, people that are watching that have had interactions with me might say, well, that guy's full of crap right now. But it's, it really is, it does become about um, educating people on your product, educating people on their set of circumstances that you can perhaps elevate for them to give them something better, a better opportunity, a better product, a better solution, whatever. To me, that has a bit of teaching in it. And so I don't know if I necessarily wanted to be a teacher so much as I wanted to do that. And I think that starts to come out in, in, in a role like what I have now or what would go if, uh, if one day I open that bed and breakfast, uh, I don't know, choose your place, Northern Ontario or the Caribbean, either one, I'm good with that. Um, you, you know, it would, be, it would be the same kind of approach from, from my end. It's, it's, you know, it gets you into a position where you can comfortably see your surroundings and see what your, your life is like now and then how can we make it better? right? That's a huge generalization. How do I make my life better? But I'm talking about aspects of life, whether it's, you know, the pillow you're sleeping in, in a bed and making sure that that's the, that's the uh, nice touch you give, you give that client staying at your hotel or whether it's, you know, going that extra mile for that client and making sure that you are setting up a meeting that they can, that accommodates them 
and, and bringing other people into that they need. I mean, that's all, that's all different ways of essentially trying to show that commitment you have that you're going to better the situation the client's in. You know, uh, one thing that I can talk to uh, Mike about is he's, he's always been very thoughtful. It's something I appreciate. Like, I have uh, always seen, like, Mike will buy you a very thoughtful book, you know, because, you know, we end up having a conversation and he'll come to me the next day. He'll, like, uh, pre-COVID, okay, we're not breaking quarantine. Um, <laughs> he would come to me and be like, all right, here's the book, and he'd sign it to me, like, you know, we were talking about X, Y, and Z. This is, you know, I read this book. It was very interesting. Like, I've gotten more books from Mike than anyone else, and they're always very thoughtful. So, you know, that uh, I, I appreciate what Mike is saying um, about being authentic and being attentive to the little things because I've seen it firsthand that he is he's very attentive. He, focus, he pays attention. He hears something. Oh, Eddie was talking about that. Let me get him this book. And, 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 and those are, like, really nice um, thoughtful gifts to get because not only will you learn something from say a book like that but also you always have that memory in that like oh, I see you associated with that good friend who, who got you something meaningful uh, Mike now one other thing I mean we don't like to make this thing overly you know, structured and we just like to let the conversation flow but love to get your thoughts on some of the challenges you face because I know I know you have faced a lot of challenges and obviously I'll leave it to you to decide what you're comfortable sharing but I'd love to hear some of your challenges how you dealt with them and some of the lessons that you learned through them yeah I mean I think everyone's got a set of challenges that they're facing so I, I, I don't ever want to be the person to measure what I'm dealing with up with uh, anyone else's and and I think different times in life present you with, with these different challenges that you need to uh, uh, learn to live with, learn to overcome, and, and, and sometimes learn to embrace. So, I mean, I could talk about a few different things, but since this is maybe something that's uh, a little bit more tailored toward uh, a, a career and, and a, how a personality kind of interacts with a career, I mean, I, I, my father had Parkinson's disease for the greater part of probably 15 years, and I think I was... I was in my middle teen years, maybe 15 or 16 when he was diagnosed and, and Parkinson's disease is a terrible disease. It's uh, well, no disease is a good one, but Parkinson's is a particularly bad one in terms of you see someone decline, um, decline quite rapidly in, in, in sometimes. Um, but you, you definitely lose bits and parts of that person over, uh, over a period of time. Uh, my dad's Parkinson's, coincided with kind of the start of my career, the start of, um, yeah, how do I say it? I mean, in my early 20s, I guess, and, and coming out of university, I was never able to just have the focus on, I've got to do X to get to Y, to get to Z, and start to chart out my life. As a lot of people, I think, approach their career and approach the roles that they're in, and I had to have a job when I was in uh, high school to help around the house because my dad was an entrepreneur and he, uh, he lost the ability to, to, to still do business. So for me, working wasn't just a choice of where to get experience that would lead to a better job or a better university application. When I was 16 years old, it was kind of like, well, if you want to be able to do these things for yourself, you've got to get a job. If you want to continue to live here, you know, it, it, you've got to get a job. You've got to start contributing. So you learn a lot about responsibility right away in a situation like that. You also learn a lot about life just in terms of what things cost, what's necessary, 
what would the kind of effort and energy you have to put into things. And um, for me, the thing is, if I look back on those years, there was no, I, I didn't really see it any other way. It just, it was what it was. And only after time, and then when you kind of hear other people's experiences and the challenges they've gone through, you can see where maybe your life was a little bit different. I can point out some of these things. But um, yeah, Parkinson's is, is, is one of those things where it's a daily battle. People need your assistance. Uh, the, the, the caregiver role is, is immense, and the toll that that took on my mother was, was huge. So when you're in that, some of the other things that people make focuses in their lives, they, they're not even considerations in your own mind. And your own mind, I don't mean to minimize these things. Some of these other things are, are, are bigger. But again, I, I got some additional context on certain parts of my life, I think, uh, um, just with the experience of my dad. Thanks for sharing that, man. That, uh, that, that, yeah. that you wrote something like that does put other things in perspective and, and it is very tough and I appreciate and, you sharing that. And I mean, let me be clear, I wouldn't trade it. I mean, I would trade it for my father, but I wouldn't trade it for myself. Um, it's it's right. made me who I am. It's, it's given me the perspective that I think I needed. Um, it's kept me very, very close with my family. It's taught me incredibly important life lessons. And, uh, to be honest, I don't, I don't know if I would have seen my dad as much if he didn't have that. I don't know if I would have spent as much time with my dad if he, if he wasn't sick. And like I said, I would trade it for him in a heartbeat. What he went through, I, I wish on no one. And, I, and Parkinson's is an awesome cause, and, and I'd love to come back and, and talk about that maybe uh, in the future. But uh, well, yeah, man, For sure, because uh, you and I can talk, and Faridun and I can talk. So the three of us, I'm pretty sure we can talk for... Uh, for quite a bit we'd love to do more of these with you um, yeah, sure. i think yeah, that there's a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of different uh, topics that we've left unexplored but um before we we wrap this one up love to get some of your golden nuggets my man i mean you already know <laughs> what, what we're doing here love to get your uh, you know couple of couple of them maybe and then uh, love to do more of these chats with you because i think there's a lot we can discuss yeah, I, I've tried to drop a few along the way. So hopefully, uh, you have for sure. hopefully they don't all come as surprises here. But uh, I mean, outside of authenticity, I think what you what you couple with authenticity and what I always try to bring, again, in, into my life and in, into my career and into my relationships is, is empathy. That's another word I'm very, very um, big on. And that, that's the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes. And so whether that's the prospect that's looking at your system, again, I think I've alluded to that enough with my know your client, know your competition, know your product, you, you, you get that part of it. But it's any interaction. It's, it's why is someone investing the time in you? Don't look at it from your perspective of like, why do I got to put time into this in order to make the sale, in order to, um, uh, I, I don't know, succeed in what you're after. Put yourself in the other person's shoes. Put yourself and, and do that often and do that continuously and do that repetitively. And I think you'll come to different conclusions than from always looking at it from your perspective. So that's, if I can put anything next to authenticity, I would say empathy. And I think one feeds the other. So I think that's, that's a golden nugget um, that's there for sure. I think, I think another word that, again, I, I do a great job sometimes, maybe and a terrible job other times, uh, is humility. I think it was uh, uh, the book Good to Great, I think, talks about this. I'd have to look it up. But um, 
certainly a lot of like uh, teaching around it, but having this, this kind of humble approach where you don't come across as the person that knows everything, where you are the person that wants to learn from other people, where you just want to sit back and listen, where you don't profess to have all of the answers, but you want to have an understanding of the situation. Coming, that, coming at problems like that with humility, again, I don't think that, that, I don't think that will ever lead you down a path where you'll start to make some serious mistakes. It might mean that things go slower at times than others when you go in just like a bull in a china shop. But if you actually take a step back and do things with more of a humble posture, I think you'll, you'll start to achieve better results. So that, that, that's another golden nugget that I sometimes fail to uh, spot along the way. Mike, thanks for sharing, man. Like Thank you, you very much. I have had so many great conversations and hopefully we'll have more, but this was certainly one. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time and joining us and uh, hopefully we'll get to do more. Yeah, for sure. I would love to. And uh, I want to thank you guys for, for letting me run my mouth off for a little bit of time. Here, of so. course. We really appreciate you doing Mike. it. I knew what I'm getting into before <laughs> I asked. <laughs> we'll get to Take parts care, two, three, four, five, and six <laughs> down the road. Don't worry. For sure. Looking forward to it. Looking forward, hopefully in person too. Exactly. Exactly. All right, Mike. Take care. Okay, Thank guys. you so much. Thanks. Yeah. Bye.